going to press record. We're rolling. Jeff, can I get a sound check? Sure. Testing 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Stand by one more time. Testing 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Okay. I had the mics reversed, but now I got it. Okay. Um, we're live. Eric Andrews Lank Show in... Uh, why don't you tell us where we are? We are technically in the city of Los Angeles, but we are almost on close to the border of Beverly Hills. It's called Holmby Hills. Right. It's a very famous neighborhood to real estate agents because it's one of the, uh, if not one of, if not the most expensive zip codes on the planet Earth for homes that are here. And we're doing And calling a- them homes is probably a bit of a, an understatement. It's probably not fair. They're mega mansions. Seriously large. I mean, I, the the. Um, are you good, Colt? I'm good. I'm just dialing it. We're for those of you listening to the pod in your car. Jeff and I are on a park bench. This is an absolute first, maybe for any podcast in the world. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever done a podcast on a park bench? I have not. No, I have not. I haven't either. We're getting the cameras ready. So if you're on YouTube, just slowly you're going to see the cameras fade in here. This one's not set up. But um, but what's interesting is we're in. I think I can't tell whether it's more golf course or more park. It's park these days. It, it, it used to be a little bit more golf course. They're not quite maintaining it like they used to. So it's it's park. Yeah. Most of the users are dog walkers and people chilling out and pondering life and or driving by on Beverly Glen and stopping off and going for a walk because they don't want to sit uh, on the canyon road for 20 minutes and not move. I wonder if the uh, presence of golf in such a casual manner has in some way taken part in people's becoming interested in golf in the first place. I would hope so. I know in the past that was the case. And when the flag sticks are out here, it really gets your eye like, oh, holy cow, you could play golf at a place like this. And then you see people are having fun. And you often see a lot of parents with kids. This is a great place to just uh, come out and drop a bunch of balls and not worry about too much. I mean, you don't want to get out near the edge of the, the golf holes um, we're with, on a, like with a, a little four-year-old taking a full swing. But <laughs> We're on like a triangle of property. We, we made a video about it, so that'll come out probably the day before after this podcast. But, uh, you know, it's like this little little sliver of pro- It's the tenderloin of grass here in uh, in Beverly Hills. Right. And we're, it's always described to people as the back of the range of L.A. Country Club. And they always go, wait, so there's a course attached? No, no, no. There's a fence and there's a road. But it's this park that's that's got two lawn bowling courts. It's got a playground up at the other end. It's a traditional park uh, other than the fact that it's been here since the 20s. It has this amazing design heritage of the Olmsted Brothers is creating this as part of this real estate development and then you have uh, the, the world famous Aaron Spelling Mansion overlooking the course which is uh, you know at, at a, one point it was the most expensive home ever sold in the United States I don't know if it still is there are a couple up you know in the hills right now for 250 if those sell um, but it 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 it, it uh, it's a it's a it was, and it was a major project for him building it. Of course, now all the mansions look like that. But at the time, right. it was it was revived. Yes. And then just to the west of us is UCLA. Right. Which is why I, I as I told you, you know, Corey Pavin and the UCLA guys used to come and goof off over here and play golf uh, and work on their short games because it's really close to the campus. So you are as as a. As a, I guess you do a lot of things, but we could we could sum you up most briefly as saying you're a a journalist within golf. Is that would you say that that's true? Sure, sure. Although I don't even like journalists a whole lot because I have very strong opinions. Um, so when people bitch and moan about something I write, and you know, as a journalist, you're supposed to be more balanced than that. And I go, Wait, well, is that true? 
Oh, I get that all. What do you mean? But is that true? Are you supposed to be balanced as a journalist? Yeah. I, I think, don't think there's I such think a the thing. the term journalist I associate with somebody who's a reporter, who is a uh, somebody who compiles information and, and writes a story and tries to prevent uh, present both sides of, of a story, if there if there are two sides. Whereas I... I have a blog, and I, I for uh, 15 years now almost, I've, I've had that, and I have my opinions on that, and I don't have an editor, which is dangerous. And then, <laughs> But I do write straightforward stories for Golf Week still. Um, and so when I do write those, I do get pushback. If, and I, ha- I mean, my views are well known. It's always kind of comical when people are like, why are you, how, how, you need to have an open mind about the distance issue. It's like, I wrote a book about it. I've ran it and raved. This is, it's not, I'm not, you know, going to come around or present the balanced both sides argument for you. I'm coming from it as uh, somebody who has views and has experience that either in golf course design or, or watching the game change. And those are my opinions. It's not a big deal. So a bit of a curveball in the interview here. As, a, as an interviewer and an interviewee, is there a question that you wish people would ask you more? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but I'll, I'll get back to you. Let me think about that. Well, you know, I mean, is there something that, or, or what, do you, what do you dislike being asked? Uh, why are you so uh, bitter about distance and the ball going too far? <laughs> um, I mean, I still get that all the time on Twitter, and I and I, it's very simple. It, it, it's not done because I like attention and I like upsetting uh, the people at Titleist or the people at TaylorMade or the people at Callaway. I, I don't I don't do it to get attention. Uh, it's not any fun getting all the pushback. Well, you want to take my five yards away? And I go, oh, we have to explain this again. And, and you do. Um, the nice thing that's happened is that a lot of different uh, forces in golf have, have kind of combined to uh, make people better aware of what really matters to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this pursuit of of distance is a nice thing it's one thing it's something that golfers have always done but it shouldn't be everything there is about golf and right. and more and more people are aware of that and then they're aware of some of the 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 the, the uh <laughs> negative elements of of uh lengthening courses and all that kind of stuff so right because that's elements. that's the that's the um the unfortunate result of a ball that goes further is golf courses are less playable they need to spend a lot more money in making them longer yeah, that's been the that was the main reason when I started uh, bitching and moaning about it in about 1998. Uh, now, you know, people well before me, uh, Alistair McKenzie, Jack Nicklaus. I mean, the list is very long. Bobby Jones have all seen this, but now it's on a uh, an expedited uh, path where we've just seen unbelievable jumps in recent years so i I, uh sit back still and and watch a lot of the debates of late they've been kind of interesting on on twitter with brandel shambly uh changing his point of view and and coming in that that uh it's athleticism and it's athletes and and that's really a marketing driven thing that maybe not for brandel but the tour and the and a lot of the entities um and, and you've i'm sure seen this kind of in your your time now in golf there's a there's a constant need to overcompensate for what golf is, and so in the case of the distance thing, it's like oh we're excited it's exciting we've got some athletes we've got to just drive home this athletes narrative mm. because that makes us more cool that our guys are athletes. Um, there are no NFL scouts out 
at PGA Tour events looking <laughs> to sign pro golfers, okay? They are in better shape. They have amazing people around them that have figured out the things you need to do to be stronger, to take advantage of the equipment, all that stuff. They are, but they are not triathletes. They are, they are not what people are trying to make them out to be. And it's just, it's on the list of many things where golf is, is overcompensating because they're trying to appease marketing people who are trying to make the game cooler and, and seem cooler and younger and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and it's, it's just, it's just fake. Right. Uh, the overcompensation thing. So um, I'm getting off on a tangent. But, but so the distancing has, has so many levels now of, of, of issues and opinions and people coming at it from different points of view. What if they just made all the fairways really, really soggy? Uh, well, that's been, yeah, we've had all those, <laughs> we've had all those suggestions. We've tried the narrowing uh, arrow. We call, it became bomb and gouge golf. We, we have had people claiming that the boost and distance in the last few years has been for more roll, and it's not. Their shot link tracks roll. Right. I mean, it's just, anyway, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing thing, and it's going to it's going to really be a big deal this year in golf. You, you seem to be a person who's willing to think differently, do things differently, say different things. Does that tie into what might be the hardest part of your job? I don't know. What, what is the hardest part of your job? That's the hardest part of the job in that the world of golf is so sensitive uh, and so not into opinions that are anything but whatever the the current uh, kind of marketing driven theme is um and so it being such a conservative sport and and one that uh is uh uncomfortable with uh analysis and opinion that that it it makes the job more difficult of what i do because you just spend a lot of time uh dealing with uh dr- drama and histrionics over things that you just want to say um you do know this is golf. We are not covering the White House here. We are not covering climate change. Well, sometimes every once in a while we do. But you're, 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 you need to step back and understand part of the, the fun of being in golf is debate and debating topics and debating golf courses and debating why that guy played that shot or uh, why in the hell are people still wearing white belts or whatever it is. <laughs> Should white belts be illegal? I uh, I uh, am firmly on the record about white belts. I began a crusade uh, after Marty Hackle. He began. I took it to a different level on our Jackhouse pod, and I, I'm proud to say that I I feel like the white belt thing has finally uh, is starting to to go away. The next phase will be white shoes. As I'm looking at you wearing white shoes, um, the only places in society where you see people wearing white belts and white shoes are in golf or at a Pat Boone. Um, backyard cocktail party. If okay, he yeah. drinks cocktail parties, Pat New Boone. Year's Eve. I don't know. Pat's pretty pretty religious. He may not be having a, a, a party <laughs> with cocktails. But um, why no white shoes? Uh, no, I'm, I'm white shoes are fine. It's the white shoes uh, that look like nurses' shoes, and the white shoes with the black <laughs> pants and the navy blue pants, where the the tour pro. It's like companies make some shoes that are just some different colors okay sure, sure. that's all it's this is it's my 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 position is not nearly as strong on the white shoes as it is on the white belt what, white what, belt's just what is it about the white belt is it for it you? just screams pat now i'm i'm old enough to remember that era of of people wearing white belts and and sansa belts and um and again 
you don't see people wearing that anywhere else in the world. So I it's like, yeah. I understand. It's your way to say, hey, I'm a golfer. I'm wearing a four-inch thick white belt. Um, but it it's just... Maybe it goes back to the open. My view is that golf fashion is best when you wear something that when you leave the course, nobody necessarily knows you're a golfer. I agree. Uh, and I think that's when something's really successful as a piece of clothing uh, or, or shoes or whatever it is. And... Um, that's all. That's my barometer. I, I, yeah. I like the idea. Or maybe you wear a shirt that's tucked in because you go play a nice course, but then on the way out, you, you know, you untuck it and the shirt looks cool and it, you look more relaxed and you don't look like you just walked off the course. That's all. It, it, to me, it's just a way to, and I think we've seen a shift in, in fashion that way. Well, no, the ironic thing is that golf is such a casual social game, but it it doesn't involve a specific uniform like softball or baseball or anything like right. that or bowling. And so then when you do go out in the world in your golf outfit, you make golf look bad. I think so, uh, especially when it's when it's really gaudy and yeah. <laughs> and really the uh, the full on. And, and then of course you know you always see the people who forget to take the glove out of the back pocket. Which Ooh, that's I, a good one. <laughs> I always laugh at one. that. I, uh, I I always go you know tap them on the shoulder as a fellow golfer and go because uh, i know they don't intend to walk around in in, in the real world um how, how often i haven't pocket. seen it that often you see it very often just every once in a while you just randomly see somebody at the, at the trader joe's or i've seen somebody i've seen multiple times <laughs> at the racetrack at santa anita i've seen that guy in the betting window and you go oh i think i mean i need to go tell him you, you can't have right. the glove in the back pocket it's great you played golf this morning and you came over to the track but right <laughs> now you need to put it away so have you spent how much of your life would you say uh, consciously have you spent thinking about golf? Um, well, uh, probably most of it. I mean, I started drawing golf holes in in class and as a young kid. Like like a lot of, uh, it's a very strange thing. There, there. Uh, no, I mean, my grand my granddad and my dad played golf, but uh, I I was one of those people who started drawing golf holes. Uh, probably, I think it's about five or six. Uh, I was doing that before I even played, and and, uh, and then really did it a lot as I kind of got teased by the game, you know, tagging along like most people because it was fun to drive the cart kind of thing. Um, and where was that? Where did you grow up? Well, believe it or not, uh, well, here in Southern California. Yeah. And, the, and the golf course where I first tagged along with uh, my dad and granddad was Valencia Country Club, which was a public course at the time, oh. surrounded by nothing. And if yeah, you right go there now, the five, of course, right? it's, yeah, 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 right off the freeway, and it was on just, the other side of TPC. Correct. It's the it's the sort of um, less hilly course, the, <laughs> yeah. more, the more reasonable to Correct. create course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was a public course for a long time, and then it was it was turned into a private uh, golf course. And um, I have a picture of me out there with one of those carts that looked like Dwight Eisenhower used, you know, with the big bar. Oh yeah, uh, the three wheeler. And, and and in the background, you see nothing, and that is all malls and homes now in Santa Clarita. Whoa. Yeah, it just blows your mind when you. you I think that wasn't that long ago. Um, and then DeBell Golf Course, where my granddad played, played quite a bit there. Um, and uh, and then and then kind of in the city of LA. And then and then um, my dad worked for American Golf Corporation, so I traveled with him a lot and saw a lot of golf courses. And that's kind of why I started getting into golf course design uh, and, and questioning why people did what they did. And then he joined Riviera were when you, I was. Were you a bit 16. of a punk as a kid? Like not not I can't you see be, I can't see you being as a punk 
uh, as far as like style goes. But I but no. but when you say questioning, did, did, were you kind of a smart aleck in that way as far as questioning why things were a certain way? Yeah, yeah. Most yeah. great thinkers are. Yeah, I compliment. mean that's how you get good at I think at what you do uh, that you have some there's something that you ingrained in you or, or um, that you've picked up that makes you question uh, why, why is that done that way? Why do they mow that hole that way? Or why, why, why does that bunker look, it just doesn't look right. Uh, and yeah, so I did that a lot. And do you I, remember some of your early? I just remember looking at a lot of golf holes and, and trying to think how I would have design them differently uh i think every golfer does but i would do it a, a lot um and <laughs> ponder uh places where or 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 more commonly uh pieces of land that you would see and you just see a golf hole and you go oh my god wouldn't that be the most amazing like dreaming amazing, oh yeah i mean there's so many uh people that i've i've heard from i wrote a little novel about uh, alistair mckenzie and and it it, it uh uh, it pains me to read it now. I was like, I mean, everything you write, you, you, you're, you're pained. But the one thing I created a fictional golf course uh, on the land that if you you just drove by it, you, I think you just sat in a monster traffic jam on the five. Yes. Um, the, all that Camp Pendleton land. Yes. And every golfer I know in Southern California has who's made that drive uh, has looked over there and went, my God, look at those golfers because there's there are ravines and you have the ocean. Uh, it's it's just sort of land that's never been touched, other than for military exercises. So, um, so yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I, I did a lot of staring at, at, at virgin land and, and wondering what you could do with it. And then you met Gil Hans. Uh, I met or Gil, was it, or was your did your actual uh, you know s- s- uh, shovel in the ground days start before that? Um, I would say, no, actually, project-wise, no, nothing really before Gill, uh, except one thing. My dad had the Sinaloa uh, golf course in Simi Valley, and we redid the, uh, it's a nine-hole par three, and, and I redid that with Dave Axlin and Dan Proctor, who were um, shapers for Corin Crenshaw. Oh, I cool. met them when they were working at Riviera. Uh, so that was, that was my first actual experience uh, in the ground. But uh, you know, before that, I I, uh, I played college golf at Pepperdine, and I had a lot of interest in um, uh, all the old architects and uh, reading about the old stuff. My dad had George Thomas's book, which got me going on kind of him and Southern California, and it's an amazing book because it's so visual. There's so many drawings and photos, and uh, it can really get your your imagination going more than any of the the, the great books that have been done on. Um, course design. You uh, okay? So, but going back to how did you meet Gil? I did a book uh, called "The Golden Age of Golf Design." Uh, came out in like uh, uh, 2000. But anyway, when I was working on that, I went back east and was researching. And this was before you could find a lot of these things on the internet. Uh, before collections put their photos online, uh, you had to go to the library and, and go through <laughs> them, uh, which was which was fun. I kind of I really. I really enjoyed that, kind of the thrill of the hunt of um, finding these things. And now people are just amazing at what they, they find and how much has been digitized right. by libraries and stuff. So I met him uh, when I was doing that, and he said, if a project ever came along uh, and you want to work together, you know, let me know. I'd, I'd love to do something. And I knew what, you know, we had the same philosophy. And so 
um, Rustic Canyon came along. Uh, the guy who was developing that, my dad worked with at, at American Golf, and uh, it's a long story. It went. It took a. It took a while, although you know, by Southern California standards, not anything outrageously long when you consider how environmentally sensitive the ground was. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it just kind of one thing led to another. And I told him when I saw the property, it was amazing. And it could be an amazing golf course. And, uh, and, and eventually it did, it happened. And, um, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about, um, you know, in your early years being interested in architecture and George Thomas and all this, all these books, do you now notice, you know, I only have been learning about golf for the past seven years and architecture for definitely a fraction of that. Uh, do you notice at some point, um, well, Andy Johnson calls it architecture, the craft beer of golf. Do you see that trend happening with more and more people becoming interested in the history of the course and the origins and, you know, yeah. restore restorations and, and, and things like that? It's been amazing. Um, I would say, I don't know what, I'm not sure what the, breakthrough moment was i'd probably have to think about that a little bit more um but uh when i first started doing the books and then writing about things for for internet publications or magazines it was a really uh it was a tough sell um and uh it was seen as kind of a a, a geeky uh wonky area and i think a lot of that had to do uh with presentation um, not that the people, I, not that I would criticize uh, the people who I started reading, Ron Witten or Brad Klein, um, or or. Uh, Can we just talk about Brad Klein for a second? Oh, I started listening to that show the other day. Would you like to break off into the Brad Klein conversation? Sure. I mean, I just, I just, I had to say, you know, I remember meeting him, and I was like, wow. You are the definition of curmudgeon. <laughs> oh no, he's, he's but a not sweet that. Curmud- I mean, he's. He I'm was... crankier than he is. Come on! Oh my gosh. Well, he was. He was just such he'll, a wonderful. He'll guy. agree with that. I mean, it, 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 only okay. only in a first only you, in a first take kind of way. You, in the long term, okay. the guy is such a gentle, deeply devoted golf fan. Well, we're we're both critics. We're both analysts and. We both have seen a lot of golf courses. He's seen way more than I have, and I've seen a, a, a good number. And we've seen mostly crap, mostly really bad stuff, stuff that could be way better, mm. stuff that you look at and you know how much they spent, and you say, WTF. Um, I, so, so he's not a curmudgeon. He's just a, he's a critic and has a sharp eye. Yeah, um, better, better said. Ron, I'm a curmudgeon in that I just I just I just assume the worst with certain architects, and I, I'm usually right about that. He'll he'll go into some of those places with a little more of an open mind than I will. That's yeah. that's where we're different. Uh, but he knows better. He knows most of them are, are uh, certain people are, are hacks. But um, so he was a big part of it. Um, I mean, Ron's been writing about architecture for a long time for Golf Digest, but I think. Uh, uh, just a few different things, a few forces came together that um, started making it uh, cool to want to know about the courses. And my point of view has always been people in golf are connoisseurs of this sport. They're, they're obsessed with their clubs, their clothes, their bag. Um, but 
how is it that they weren't obsessed with the courses, which is hmm. the, the most interesting part, the setting where you play is the most interesting part of the game. Um, and like knowing about a wine or knowing about a cigar or knowing about a car or a watch, uh, your enjoyment is, is um, enhanced so much by knowing just the basics of the history, the basics of the design, or, or going in with a little bit of an eye like, uh, oh, it's kind of fun to be an armchair architect and, and, and analyze this and complain about it or, or uh, debate what you would do to make a hole better. Um, and it just blew my mind that more golfers, like the architecture part was the not something that they thought about. It's like, well, wait, that's the coolest part of the sport. And uh, you know, the thing to me about it's an art form. But it's the most interesting art form and form of architecture because it combines uh, uh, landscape architecture, engineering, agronomy, um, and then to get a course built, there's a business side, there's a political story you have to, to, to deal with, whether it's a club or a, a, a municipality. Um, you have a sports element. This is a sport. Uh, competitions are played on these, these, these uh, incredible places. And so it brings together an unbelievable number of things, and it's the only art form where you can sit here and we can sit and look at, at what's before us, but then you get to step into the painting, um, you know, like uh, the Purple Rose of Cairo, where, where she's sitting there watching the Woody Allen movie, and then she, you know, the guy keeps noticing her, and she steps into the movie. And in golf, you get to step onto this, this work of art, hopefully. Most of them aren't masterpieces, sadly, um, but... I think what's fun, what you're doing and a lot of other people are doing is, is realizing that uh, it doesn't have to be a masterpiece to still go in and appreciate elements of it. Yeah. Uh, there are very few places where every inch of the place is just perfectly done and you go, my God, that is a, that is, no detail was missed. That's incredible. Um, it's very hard to do that and then maintain it. Um, but it's still fun if a place just has moments and, and enough quirk and character um, you can get so much more satisfaction out of that so it's been really fun to see that and it's just a combination of things that have gone on from from people who did books like myself and people who talked about it to high definition yeah to youtube um uh you just can go on and on now instagram to me is really sort of uh driving home uh the architecture that I like, because it, let's be honest, it's more visually appealing on a form, uh, on a, on a, on a Instagram feed, uh, either a story, somebody telling you a story about a course or a, a photograph that's been enhanced a little, uh, you know, Reese Jones courses just don't pop on Instagram. Right. Um, but Corn Crenshaw courses do. And then they're also really fun to play. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about golf and, you know, at least the quotes from competitive golfers of, of our time will say, yeah, I'm not playing against the other golfers. I'm playing against the course. It's interesting to then go out as an amateur and with a blind eye to the designer or the logic of the design or the yeah. placement of the hazards or the defense that the course has. It You, you, uh, you sort of get into that. It's, that's almost the um, the uh, the the um, 
I don't know. It's it's like the second book or the or the eighth book or whatever whatever books you're reading golf, the encyclopedia of golf. It's it's the it's the ultimate phase. It's the next level, you know. And and it's it's interesting for me because my experience has been is it recontextualizes what I thought I knew or the courses that I liked. And I can mm-hmm. go back now and see Roosevelt, for example. It's like, oh wow, like you know, here's why this is interesting, or here's why this is like, this is not a hole you see very often, yeah. number eight, for example. What do you think of number eight at Roosevelt? <laughs> Scariest tee shot on the planet Earth, is it not? I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know how it's looking right now, but the last time I played it, it's just it's just frightening. It's yeah. just so tight. Yeah, um, there's, there's no end in sight, Yeah, strangely. But I love it. I love the, the places. I've just recommended somebody who was staying downtown um, for a trip, and, I saw, and they wanted a, a golf course within Uber range, and I said, well... You know, it's a really bizarre place in a good way. It's kind of fun, and the Griffith Observatory's there, and you got the Greek Theater, um, and um, it's right in the heart of the city. It's just there's nothing quite like it. It's not a masterpiece, but it's a fun place. It could be a really fun place with, with a little bit of minor work, I think, but uh, that you can say that for a lot of places. But to what you're saying, you know, that that to me is one of the fun things of being a golfer, and uh, is that kind of being able to give a course a critical eye? Um, but back to what I was saying earlier, it's such a sensitive sport. It's such a conservative sport that uh, you have to be so careful uh, not to offend your guests or your hosts and, and remember. Uh, oh, wait, or, or so offend. do you have a story about this? Well, no, it's really been something. I mean, if you go back and read C.B. McDonald, he says, like, going, criticizing somebody's golf course is like going into his family and, you know, saying, well, the, the, the middle daughter is, is not a looker. You know, it's horrible. <laughs> it's, it's mean to people. It, it really hurts them. Yeah. I wonder why. Why do you think? Well, you get to know, and Mackenzie wrote about this, it's your, it's your home course. You get to know every little bump. And if you, at some point, you, you convince yourself that, this is your happy place, and it may not be an architectural masterpiece, but you enjoy being there. You enjoy the people. Um, you're comfortable there, and so you then kind of turn the course into something maybe a little better than it is. So when somebody comes and goes, "Hey, are you guys going to cut down some trees here so we can actually see the views or whatever it is," you know, they go right. all Rodney on them and come in and go, you know, it's uh, what's going on here, and it's sort of a wake-up call, and people don't take it as well. Uh, but again, that's changed a little bit. I think that um, people are uh, increasingly aware that it's fun to have opinions about course design, and uh, it's certainly shaping the way players pick schedules on the PGA Tour, how people plan trips. Um, uh, they say, like, I don't like to play that course. Yeah, yeah, I mean, or I don't like to play Reese Jones courses, or I don't like to play... Uh, are there a lot of Reese Jones courses on tour? Uh, there were for a while. They're they're increasingly fewer as as the as the PGA Tours architectural are you, are IQ you, has gone up. Are you just sort of waiting to see one of your favorites come up on tour, like a Core Crenshaw? Is that even possible? Uh, well, no. There've been some magnificent places that I mean, I just wrote a piece for Golf Week. Uh, kind of the most intriguing venues this year. Lahinch is hosting the Irish Open. Whoa. And like the last place on the planet Earth you'd ever think you'd see pro Isn't golf. Isn't it like 6,500 yards? Yeah, and they're crisscrossing holes and they're, you know, there's sheep Whoa. everywhere. It's going to be in, it's going to be incredible. Are you going to go to that? Uh, it's two weeks before the Open. I'm kind of trying to figure out how to get over there. It would be because, so unusual. Even just the weekend. It's going to be bizarre. Because they, they, they went to Gullin twice for the Scottish, which was pretty, That's pretty courageous. But oh. still, well, realistic, 
as a golf course, but you know, trying to get people there and dealing with a little one, two, you know, two lane road. Right. And it, it, it was sensational and the guys loved it and they had a great time. Um, so yeah, there are places like that. I can't believe, you know, Cruden Bay, the European tour looked at would have been incredible for the world to see that. But so we've been doing that now the last few years, Detroit golf club's going to host a tour event, um, this year. There's some, there's some places that are, they're just more and more, tours realizing architecture sells things a little bit more it's another story to tell right uh it's one that keeps the players happy because the players are more appreciative of good design than they've ever been i think yeah i mean they still get mad about features because they it's in they're in their way they're trying to shoot the lowest score possible <laughs> so uh it's a combination of elements uh you know jeff ogilvy was a big influence on that zach blair has been a huge influence um uh, so there are players more and more who are um, embracing these places, and and then it just helps that there are a lot of people in golf who are who are more aware. So they're taking tournaments to places where they should, where, where it really is great, where architecture, and it just changes the whole vibe of a tournament. And you know, most of the great places there have uh, the scale is is more intimate. Right. Um, the vibe of the place is just it just feels good doesn't yeah. feel fake and manufactured and all those little things you can't they're, they're intangibles that, that just translate to to a better experience let's uh, go to a quick break here and then uh, get a couple of commercials out of the way hey Sklar brothers here randy and jason and we have a couple of podcasts if you you know them or you don't know them check them out we do view from the cheap seats which is sports and comedy and we have a podcast called dumb people town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, folks. You know my favorite golf shoe, don't you? I think you do. It's three-stripe life, y'all, and that means Adidas. Um, and so anyway, I just wanted to tell you that when I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Tour 360, obviously, and uh, they've made a huge update to the Tour 360, and uh, the... Two letters that it's concerned with are the letters X and T, okay? The Tour 360 XT changes the game, okay? It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round. By the way, a light golf shoe is what I'm all about. A heavy, there are some other companies making heavy golf shoes, and I'm just like, by the way, I weigh enough. There's enough going on. I'm carrying a golf bag. I'm carrying my team. Um... Tour XT changes the game. It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round, and it still features that boost, y'all. Do you know where boost comes from? It And boost is cool because it only comes in black and white. I don't know if you noticed that. And actually, they the guy who made boost like was going to bring it to some other, you know, they, they were shopping it around, and everyone else said no. Adidas was like, I'll take that boost, even though it's only black and white. And what did Adidas do with it? They made it awesome. I'm looking at boost right now on my feet boost on my feet uh and it has an x-shaped traction system that gives you insane stability literally it's not sane it's literally crazy your feet will literally be like i'm crazy best part it comes in spikeless Ooh, that's tight the first spikeless ever in the history of the tour 360 crazy comfortable and perfect for the course get your pair at adidas.com thank me later follow adidas golf for all the latest and greatest that's all true statements right there check it out go support adidas because they're a good company good people i like it Oh, right. We're back. Thank you. Um, I'm curious to know, for those listening, I, I try to imagine the people listening don't know what Lahinch is. Can you explain Lahinch? I, I had the wonderful fortune of playing that first on my trip to Ireland. 
Wow. And so that was a, a true, and I played with a local who had been a member there forever. Uh, can you explain a little bit about what makes LaHinch so special? I'm going to take a nap. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not going to. It's been a long time since I was at La Hinge. So that's part of the reason I'm sort of excited to get uh, acquainted with it again. Um, my dad and I went there. Uh, oh, uh, Ronald Reagan was uh, near the end of his presidency. Um, so it, it, it's a Lynx. It's a beautiful property. It's a little more unusual than the standard Lynx. It's a little more severe. It has a blind par three, just a, just a straight blind hole. Um, it has crisscrossing fairways. Um, it's 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 as uh, bizarre a place as you can get, I think, in golf in terms of architecture. Just uh, just breaking all the rules, uh, following no uh, guidelines whatsoever. It could never be built today. No, I hate that cliche, but it's just true. It just if you if you tried to do that, uh, I mean, I've seen a few things where. The Buck Club has a has a few elements like that, and Tom Dokes, I think, got a few elements eh, like that, maybe on a thing he's proposed at Sand Valley, but nothing like that. Nobody has done, would even dare, I no. don't think. Um, and that's fine. I mean, it's just there. It just takes what was there, and then yeah, you know, some people obviously nudged it, like the old course. They they said, well, this just isn't working, and we have to make it better. And they added elements to make it a little more feasible for golf. Um, it's and, old Tom, right? Yeah, and then McKenzie had some some. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, McKenzie had he, a hand he, in it. He had a little bit of a modification uh, role, so um, it'll be it'll be it'll be fun to watch. It's such a my experience of playing there was it's such a dark green maze of golf and hills, even though it's on just you know the yeah. the links land. It's, it's like right off the beach, but it's just so hilly and extreme. There were times where the ball was like three feet below my foot. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people hate it, because it, it, yeah. it is extreme. I actually um, eagled that hole, the fourth hole, the par five. Is that right? Fourth hole, sixth hole, seventh hole? Anyway, what the ball was there, and I normally would have been like, oh, get me the fuck out of here. This yeah. is ridiculous. <laughs> hit, a, hit a pretty mediocre second shot from a hard lie and then chipped in for eagle. So you never know. You never know. Have you had a hole-in-one on a course you've designed? Well, have I? Yes. No, no. Um, and then, and this is a this is a another thing that has changed uh, a lot in recent years with with architecture, where uh, people just could not separate uh, their bias based on their score, yeah, um, or or what they perceive to be an unfair break or bounce. And so we've seen a more people are able to kind of step back and assess a place uh, without. Uh, thinking about their round and how they played. I still, when I really want to see a new course, I prefer not to play it. I prefer to, if I'm really serious about studying the design and writing an article and all that about it, um, because even, it, it, it's just very hard to to first take in a course that has a lot going on. Yeah. Like Trinity Forest last year that, that, that debuted on the tour, Corin Crenshaw, it's, it's easily their their best design in terms of taking nothing a very nothing site uh except for a few moments and really creating something special um and i wanted to i was glad i couldn't play because the tour was i was there on monday of a tour event uh and so i could just start walking it and, and taking it in but um but it's exciting to me that because so many conversations i used to have about course design would be oh i love that place i had the best round of my life there and it's like yeah but it's boring it's bad but you can't say that um 
And so I don't hear that as much anymore. Or, or the day we things. played, the greens sucked. But it got it. It could be good. I just couldn't tell the greens were so bad. Like people say that less now because they, they just they just have a greater awareness that conditioning ebbs and flows, or um, or it's not all about them. Right, right. <laughs> so because it's two different things. And and, and Brad th- Klein talked about this. He yeah. won't play it if he's rating. Right, right. No, I know. So do you, um, yeah, I mean, that's tough. I mean, how do you see that? Do you do you ever get involved in course rating? It's all BS anyway. Uh, yeah, 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 it is. Um, the uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was one time on the Golf Week panel, and I mean, they're not entirely BS. The ratings have been good for raising awareness of architecture, but where they're... But it should be like an A, a B, a C, and a D, and that's all the top 100. Yeah, they've gotten carried away with the criteria. I mean, look at the Golf Digest list that just came out. And uh, it's got the same problem it always has every year, um, or every every two years. It is uh, about uh, uh, experience, difficulty, and good conditioning too much. And right. they're not. And so you have places on the list where you just go, "Are you kidding me?" Uh, nobody in their right mind would want to play that course every day, and you have it uh, ranked there. And then you look, you go back and and. Some of these places have just fought. They they, they they pop on the list high and then they fall out of favor. And um, I would love to see their what their panel uh, comes up with if you could take away. I mean, resistance to scoring is a category, <laughs> which is like rating a book by how many pages it is, or how long uh, rating a movie by how long it is, yeah. or rating an album by by oh it's a triple album. Well, great. He he emptied his. You know, his notebook on, on, but is it a great album? Is it tight? Is it, you know, is every song work together or, or, or has it got a bunch of crap in the middle that, that, that weighs it down? And it's absurd to, to celebrate how hard a course is. Anybody can design a golf course that's unplayable. That, that, that's not, <laughs> that is not a skill. So, right. and then conditioning is just tough because, because some people will go to a place and they verify the greens and you're going to like, you're going to ding them for that. And I'm sure they do. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's it's gotten carried away with the criteria. I like the criteria that Golf Week uses because it asks people to think about things, but it doesn't actually hold you to adding up all those scores and then get, and then that being the score for the course. So, but you're right. It probably you know it should be it should just be kind of A B C D, and it's just very hard for people to separate experience from architecture. I just right. had this long conversation with. Um, some people you know, and I don't want to say on the pod, but uh, that... Why? Because you don't want to or because you don't think I want you to? Uh, I just don't want to. It, <laughs> I can, it's, it's, not, it's not important. The, the, that's really the reason. And it, 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 it but I... I uh, I'm sure I love them. You do. You do. <laughs> I love the idea of, of, I love the idea of lists to generate discussion. So okay. they are beneficial in that way. And I'd actually love to see more lists, you know, the top 100 uh, experiences, uh, uh, vibes. Um, I was thinking of a list, the top 100 worst courses you can play. That would be tough. There would not be a lot of um, magazines that would like to do that at this point because the hate mail would be excessive. Um, <laughs> How does working for, working for a magazine must suck? Because you can't really say anything that goes outside the scope of the advertisers. Yeah, that's where, where I have my blog. I, <laughs> Boom. Shaq <laughs> um, um, goes outside the that's box. That's where the blog's always been nice, yeah. Um, I mean, do you, I, do you get advertisers on the blog? I, I don't. Um, it's, <laughs> really? It's, no, it's been kind of a, it's, it's, it's never been, I, I, it was, I, I did it, uh, I did a book called The Future of Golf in 2000 and, um, 
uh, four. Would you say that's one of your best works? Well, it's uh, no, and not in the sense of uh, that you'd give it as a gift book, but I think it's an important book because I kind of got into all the reasons that we don't want to stretch out golf courses and we don't want to do all right. these different things and we need to get our values sort of back in, to, in, in line with what, what really ultimately makes it fun to go out and play a round of golf. Um, it, it, real quick, what is the book someone should read if they haven't read anything of yours yet? Oh, the future of golf. <laughs> there you go. All right. That's what I was getting at. Uh, there you go. Grounds for Golf is my primer uh, on architecture book, which may come back into print, actually. It's in ebook form. Um, okay. Grounds for Golf. If you go play Cypress Point, the Cypress Point book is probably the best book I've done um, in terms of, and I, you know, I didn't do any of the work. It was this amazing photographer named Graham and this amazing architect named McKenzie and the other guy named Hunter, and they, they photographed the course in its pristine state. and. We just put it together as 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 a as an album of sorts, and cool. um, but um, the future of golf was uh, what started my blog. I, the blog uh, when I started the website, the word blog was was just kind of starting. Interesting to kind of come into play. Yeah, I'm old, uh, and so <laughs> uh, I started doing posts, like trying to do one a day, following up, documenting things in the that I writ, written about in the book. And then that became a blog, and then blogs started to become a big deal. Um, and so it's been the one thing I've always been able to do that, that uh, I mean, there are days where it's like, I don't want to deal with the website. But then there are days where it's just so fun, um, where there's stories where I just love, and I, I'm, I'm my own boss. I can do whatever I want. And Golf Week picks up some of my blog posts sometimes as part of my arrangement with, with them, which is always fun for me to see, like, oh, you guys liked that post. Oh, okay. And <laughs> it's like, and sometimes it's, hey, how come you didn't pitch that to us? Like, well, I did it at ten o'clock, and you guys were all in bed, and right. Um, and I didn't think you'd want to see me ranting and raving about uh, a sixteen-year-old girl who's in a Nike ad uh, or an Apple oh, yeah. Apple ad, um, breaking blatantly breaking the uh, amateur stats rules. I didn't think you'd want that. Um, that kind of thing. So, that's how that evolved. The site was a follow-up to that book, right? And. Uh, so, and I've struggled with it, and now I'm, you know, like now I don't even know what to do because, um, so I've just kind of gone to, because it got to where I would spend a lot of time on it. I'd aggregate a lot of content and do uh, roundups from majors. Well, now I'm at a major and I'm covering it for Golf Channel and Golf Week. I barely have time to do a couple posts and I feel bad. Um, but then now there, there are a lot of other people doing cool stuff where I feel like it, it lacks and where I've where I time has sort of passed me by, and thankfully there's there's people like you and Andy doing um, the fried egg doing great content. I, I do lament that I'm not telling doing more architecture stuff with the drones and and kind of showing you golf courses. Um, but there's just only so many hours in the day, and so I really enjoy uh, what I'm doing with. Uh, the people who are paying me. <laughs> so there's <laughs> also the that. top priority. The podcasting, um, you know, has gone really well with Shack House. But even that, it's like I love what you're doing with interviews. You need to keep doing that. Thank you. Um, the interviews are, are vital because um, there are a lot of interesting people out there. Um, it's endless. And I found that there's – don't take this personally. Well, maybe it's, it's actually you're in between. But I found that there's actually sometimes an inverse relationship between interesting and famous. So some of the best interviews that I get feedback about that I've done are ones that I'm, I was like, wow, no one knows who that is. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, 
Yeah, there, there are a lot of you know of like Jim people. Urbina. Uh, right. Everyone loved the Jim Urbina. He doesn't even have an Instagram. He's, he is not a personality. Correct. Correct. Yeah, no, and nobody would know that uh, his name outside of the architecture world, and yet he's been involved in some incredible golf courses. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and when you say involved, you know, that's really the difference. You may not be aware of it, but uh, where architecture has changed is somebody like that we do know about somebody like Jim Urbina, or that you do know my role at uh, Rustic Canyon uh, and working with Gil. It, it was a star-only business, uh, yeah. and it was about this guy who would come out and, and pose for a photo with rolled-up plans, and, and, and that person wouldn't know Jack diddly squat if you went into the details of his design. And it was such a, I mean, there were so many people who were just, just, just cash and checks. Yeah. Putting no, they're just soulless designs, no love, no uh, uh, attention to detail into what they were doing. And so now what's cool is the model that Corn Crenshaw created of, of, of shapers and kind of um, starting with a design and then uh, modifying as you go has sort of made stars out of all these other people who... Uh, we knew existed with Alistair McKenzie and George Thomas and Billy Bell and all these people, but we don't really know their names. We know a few of their names. Um, so it, that is another thing that just sort of has raised awareness of how much goes into a design, how many hours a Jim Urbina spends on site, um, how much time is spent quibbling over features. Mm. Uh, but that's how the great courses are built, just like you guys in the uh, editing room or yeah. any, any uh, form of art. Um, you know, people in music, how much time they spend in the, uh, in the doing the finish work and the and the editing and the mixing and how, you know, a couple moves one way or another are the difference between making a song timeless and permanent or something that everybody forgets. And yeah. so it's such a responsibility with course design to do that. And so the people like me and Brad who are bitter... Uh, at times about when you see something where they had a great property and they didn't take the time to get all the details right for something that theoretically is going to last for a hundred years, it offends your sensibility, you know? Do you learn more from a course that uh, you love or more from a course that you don't love? Mm. I think I learn more from a course I, I love or I know is a great course and I get to go see it again with a fresh eye like i i uh you know i've had a chance to to uh to to, to see the old course a decent amount the last few years and you you see something you know the great courses you see something new every time what do you take away from the old course oh i'm uh, single most important thing uh oh boy single most important thing hmm, got him tough got him um, well, they're just that so it's many. old. Don't say that no, it's no, old. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, that well, one, the it's a different place. The ground is different, uh, and not, and I'm not one to get all uh, mystical, but it sounds like you're going there. The turf there is just there's just something different with the grass. I mean, it they put that stuff th that place through hell, and it looks great. All the time, it's unbelievable how that turf is. I took a divot last time I was there, and it still looks great. It's dried up, but it looks great. There's just, so there's something going on there 
again, I'm not into all that. Uh, you know, not I'm a not, golf a, in the I'm not guy. a golf in the kingdom guy. I am. I am not. Uh, <laughs> you know, doing Shiva Siren stuff, and uh, I, it's fine. I love all. And by the way, that had an influence on this movement too. Another thing, Michael yeah. Bamberger wrote a book, To the Lynx Land. There's like all these little uh, Lauren Rubenstein. All these little things kind of have come together. Shiva Sirens has been another thing that kind of got people in tune with. Uh, certain elements of the game that are important. So no, I don't mock it. It's just I don't. I'm not into like the uh, the mystical stuff in the middle of the night. But I, it's just the ground there is so amazing. You can't replicate the contours. No. Um, but I guess the one the the main thing is that it, it um, the possibilities are so uh, infinite with uh, the way it plays every day. And so that was that's my thing with most golf courses is that they. They're just they're very predictable after uh, a couple of playings. And the greatest ones just never get old. And you've just got to keep injecting things that, that uh, make a course just give you just, just little surprises every day. That's right. really the key. Um, do you have great any, architecture. Yeah, do you have any uh, advice for new golfers? In terms of... Can you of, help him out with his boom arm here? It's kind of help him get it up. I think it looks like yeah. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Help me get it up. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> right before the end of the interview. That's good. Um, in terms of what? Uh, you meet someone who's just playing golf, and they say, "Do you have any advice for me?" They just started. You meet them on their first round, and they say, well, "Jeff, I, you're you're a pioneer. You're you're uh, you've spent uh, the as you said the majority of your life thinking about golf. Do you have any advice for me?" But they're they're already they have some idea what they're doing, or they're new golfer. They, like, are just taking they, up the game. They've made, let's see, I'm going to come up with this person. This person has maybe played <laughs> 10 rounds of golf. Okay. They don't watch it on TV. They don't, okay. But not because of any reason. They just yeah. don't. They, 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 are, they are yet, they have caught the bug, but they are yet to fully divest the core of their being into the game okay. of golf. Perhaps they are, uh, you know, trepidatious for a certain reason. Yeah. Um how would you basically? I, I just had this conversation with somebody. Push them down the slope of golf. I said, just just keep going to the range, and understand that makes you a golfer. You're a golfer now, because one of the things that that has always been so obnoxious about our sport, uh, and again, it's going to, this is changing. Thankfully, again, people like you and and a lot of different people, uh, exposing that this is this is not vital. That the idea was to be a golfer, you had to you had to have this full set of new clubs. You play 18 holes. You know, you're always playing 18. Um, you're not just a person who goes to the range or whatever. And all these ridiculous things that, to, that, that intimidated people from, from playing the sport, including, you know, you have to be a member of a club to be a golfer. I mean, all that's just crap. Um, so I always just tell people, uh, you know, just go to the range, get comfortable, and then when you really are starting to kind of get the itch, you know, go out. Uh, and go to casual places. That don't worry about you know what the reputation is. It's it's just about getting out there and whapping it around and just getting a feel because it's it can be overwhelming. There's a lot going on and there's a lot of stuff with etiquette. Um, and and you're a golfer. That's what I love about Top Golf uh, is that it's just another entry point to kind of just chop away at some of these stupid uh, uh, barriers. And then the other thing I keep telling them is just understand that even the best players in the world have been completely humiliated by the game. 
and people who play a lot, it's so humiliating. It just absolutely it just, just, just ruins you uh, at times. And understand that's just part of the sport. Everybody's been there. So, so remember that when you're nervous or you're, you're the first time you're going to a really nice course. Just, just understand, you know, just that's how the game is. It's, it's cruel. And, and don't get discouraged. And um, don't let anybody make you think that, uh, you, you know, it's, it's this amazing uh, thing every time because sometimes it's not it's tough do you uh your your place in golf now you 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 referred to um you refer there's dogs all over this park it's amazing they're listening he's listening book. in on the interview in his christmas sweater he's he's yeah. enjoying this conversation the, there's he's a, pretending he's not listening but he really is listening there's a couple now. three-legged dogs hanging out i think between we have them, a three-legged six I have oh, he's got four i didn't see that yeah he's four he's good um and uh, but you you referred to this idea of don't get nervous the first time you go to a nice course and you brought me back. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying try not to. I mean, you well, no, will no, be. but it's that's not my point. My, that's not my point. My point is that you brought me back to a time in my life mm. when I would get nervous to play a nice course, and I was actually saying yesterday to someone, if I got an invite to Pine Valley, I might not hit the range. I, m- I might just show up on the first tee and be like, let's go. Whereas. That would be inconceivable, inconceivable, sorry, inconceivable back in, sorry, Princess Bride. Um, (laughs) That would be inconceivable to beginner golf guy Eric when I would go play TPC Valencia and literally hit two buckets of balls. Right, and you picked out your outfit the night before and you, 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 you ironed your... Uh, you, you ironed your, your golf towel. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. the golf towel. <laughs> um, so where yeah. are you at with that? I mean, I mean, you've I, have uh, well, you played everywhere you wanted to play? What what is left for you to explore? What what is golf to you now? Do you care? Where do you want to go? Yeah, that's well. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about this. You touched on something in the show after you played Bel Air, where you're kind of renouncing your interest in. Uh, uh, clubs. Were you a member at Wilshire? Yes, for three years. Okay, and you're not now. Correct. And you 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 gave it up. I gave it up voluntarily. Yeah. They didn't kick you out. Okay. Just <laughs> no. want to clarify. Yeah. No. 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 They didn't. So you. So. So. It's a valid question. No. 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 Well, I mean, hey, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I uh, you don't know this, but I, I can only go on Riv- to. Riv- so I wrote a book on Riviera. Yeah. I wrote a book on George Thomas. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm the world uh, expert on George Thomas. Um, but I wrote a commentary in uh, 2002 when Tom um, Fazio just, just, just butchered the golf course. Sure. Uh, as, he, as he would. And it's gone, long gone. It was on golfobserver.com. You cannot find the thing. It was good, though. I got in some good jabs. Anyway, they didn't like that. I have been, I am forbidden from the property at Riviera except one week a year to cover the, the tournament there. Um, so, uh, Do why you think you could go in under a stage name? Yeah, probably. The, the, Chef yeah. Jackalford? I could put on a little bit of a, a of an outfit and, and yeah. So uh, I can't remember why I got on Riviera. But so, Wilshire. Oh, okay, yes. So yeah. Wilshire, uh, so you're not banned like no. me at Riviera. Okay. No, I actually and came by the back way, as a guest. I'm the only person probably in the history of the world to, to, be, to be banned from a golf course for a piece of architectural <laughs> criticism. Which, by the way, was well-founded because everybody still goes to the eighth hole and goes, what is this disaster? So you weren't, you weren't, you've just decided that club life is not for you. Is that correct? Yeah, well, it was an analysis of time and money, right? Um, I don't okay. have a lot of time, and I don't have a lot of money. Okay. So why would I... And, and also, the, and, and then on the other side of that equation, on the top of it is, I love new things. I was actually in the bathroom okay. here. We, we, were, we took a break from filming. 
and okay. we were we <laughs> they're I, they're a little bleak here these days at Holmby Park. Well, what's funny is I walked in the bathroom and I got I first thought this is such a nice bathroom, and then I thought, geez, I'm so glad. Because here's the thing: if I had still been a member of Wilshire, we probably would have gone and played there. Right. Right. And I actually went to the bathroom here and I thought, this is such a nice bathroom. I'm so glad we're not at Wilshire. Yeah. Okay. Because here we get to experience something new. Yeah. And, and you've really done me a, a, a favor, a, a, ser- a service by, by bringing me here and inviting me to something new. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so, I, it's sad to me to think that you would play the same places over and over and over because merely financial reasons. Sure. And so for me, I don't make quite enough to be a member of Wilshire and never play there. Right. I need to play there. Right. So that was why I left. Okay. Is because I wanted to experience the world. Okay. Uh, well, I'm and in here a, we are. I'm in a little different place uh, that well, I, uh, uh, I'm i kind of over the uh, the club. Yeah. Golf is a clubby sport. Uh, it's gotten clubbier in, with all the great things that are going on taste-wise and vibe-wise and your goat hill parks uh and your winter park nines which are just uh you know the thing those are the things that give me the most hope I, we don't have anything like that in la we were just talking with with evan before the show we've got to get that at these amazing facilities we have here that are so run down and should be with just not that much work nice places to go like mm. i live not that far from penmar uh, I just have no desire to go down there because it's it, a lawn, and it's not Penmar's well. a lawn, so the golf course is a lawn. But again, sometimes you just you know it's a beautiful afternoon. You just want to go hit some shots and play. And e- I love evening golf. I, I hate playing golf before before noon. I love evening golf. Uh, yeah, it's just you know, the best funny. time of day. The it's course is the cheapest. Cheapest it's backwards, and most of the time it's the time when courses are the quietest, and you're always just blown away. Like this is the nicest time of day to play. The grass isn't wet. Uh, the, the the food the beer tastes better when you yeah. play that time of day. It's like I just why would you well, ever? Beer's hard to drink early in the morning. <laughs> this is true. Some people do. I so found that out. I I look at these places and it, it pains me because I know with not much work, you know, some paint and some some a little bit of love in the in, with the grass, it could be so much better. Um, but I'm just kind of over uh, the, the the whole clubby. Uh, vibe of places, even though clubs have gotten for the most part a little more relaxed and more enjoyable places, there's still um, an element where you, you, you just feel. Uh, and I know all the etiquette. I know how to behave. Sure. I, and I don't go to these places and, and get out of the car like like Rodney and, and start <laughs> you know going wang it's a parking lot and making fun of guys' hats. Yeah, you know, I know how to I know how to play the game. Um, but I ultimately find it's it's work. Uh, it's not relaxing. It's not fun. And if it's not relaxing and fun, then what's kind of the point? Is where I'm at. Well, I think I, I agree with you. And I, and I so think, really, so, so the final thing. So the, the only place I really play golf during the course of the year is Scotland when I go there for the British Open. That's where I play most of my golf. I play very little here. Well, you're very lucky. I think that's the yeah, best golf well, in the world. Yeah, well, and I and I view myself as it's the gift of uh, the job, and what I do is that that's the the privilege is that yeah, six thirty, seven o'clock, good, get to go out and play a cool links course. We've watched the the guys, and now we're going to go do that and play seven or eight holes and have fun. So this that's kind of where I'm at. I don't like it. I don't like being at that place because I feel like it's a little bit negative. Um, part of it's where we live here in, in yeah. L.A. There's just not a lot of great. Uh, public golf uh and then and um so i uh i don't like having that sort of relationship with the sport but um but uh, to the point i was saying about new golfers 
a lot of different ways to play the game and enjoy the game and and you don't have to have a handicap and have to do this and check off all these boxes for it yeah. to be to to love the sport and love uh, being around it you what you just said makes me think three things number one i'll play homeby hills any, I need 10 minutes notice. Text me, I'm down. I'll okay. come play anytime. All right, beautiful. And Great place for, for money games, as you can imagine. Fun I'm not money a big games. money player, but, I, but I'll well, do it with you. I'll, uh, I'll, try, I'll lose money to like you. We're talking like a dollar three ways kind That's of stuff great. here. With, I would yeah. love this. Right, This I can get down with. Um, two, no disrespect to any of my friends who are members at clubs all around the world, but I agree with you, and I think one of the things that happens at a club is you lose touch with public golf. Yeah. You, do. You, you lose touch with the world of golfers that are new. I, th- I think we as golfers, you, you know, you, you, I've never heard it said so well, the idea you're a golfer now. And I think one of the things that we as senior golfers, as the elder golfer statesmen and women, we literally give zero fucks about the new person. And we don't put our mm-hmm. hand out and we don't say, hey, welcome to the game. It's good to have you. No. Whereas no, any don't. other self-sustaining enterprise... Uh, entity, business league, men's club, women's club, whatever it is, we care about the newcomer. Right. And we have dropped that ball in a huge way. And, I, and I'm here to basically try to turn that around. Good. And then oh. the third thing is, um, I can't remember. Well, <laughs> and to your point, you know, uh, a lot of people who take up golf, it's a solitary pursuit in a lot of ways. And so I understand the people who don't want to be coddled and and they like a place where they can just go out in the afternoon yeah the va course is great for that yes i still haven't played there oh geez oh boy (laughs) uh well it also i was there i played there with lloyd cole he's a a singer songwriter uh was was uh he's from england and a passionate golfer i took him up there and it's in terrible shape we had a great time we had fun um, but it is the kind of place where you can go because golf needs places where, again, to work out the kinks when you're trying to get yeah. this thing figured out. Um, and so that's why it's important uh, when we talk about the Goat Hills and the Winter Parks or trying to get these L.A. City courses a little bit better that the vibe is a little more inviting. Like I go hit balls at Rancho sometimes and all the high school teams are there. And I, and I just cringe because, look, the, the kids – Kids can make a lot out of very little, but my God, you got to have a little atmosphere, a little sense that people are trying to care about this place, or else they're going to look at this sport and go, like, this is the sport of a lifetime for me, really? This place is, like, depressing and and (laughs) pathetic. And so um, that's why it's important to get these places better. The other point, though, I was going to say, when you said that about clubs, when they lose touch with... Uh, kind of the, the the public game and the everyday game. They also lose uh, a little bit of sense of humor. Sure. Um, yeah, everything's very serious. Turn your hat around. Turn yeah. your hat around <laughs> from the other fairway. Um, Eric, turn hat. Turn it around. Yeah, and I I get I get some of that etiquette stuff. Fine, whatever. Um, but some of it is um, it, again, it's just a very hard sport. It's an expensive sport. Uh, it's a lot of different things, and 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 those little things that make it just that much more. Uh, uncomfortable yeah. for people. Uh, I just loathe, and so yeah. um, that's what's fun about kind of the movements we're seeing, where more and more people will tell you um, that their most memorable rounds of golf are at a place where, yeah, the course was good, it was okay, or it's not a masterpiece, but God, it's just such a great place to hang out after the round, or everybody there's so happy. Um, yeah, I hear that about uh, Jeff Ogilvie was telling me about that. He went over to. Um, it was last year uh, during the Torrey Pines tournament, the Farmers uh, Open, 
And he's like, people are like two fairways over, and they're and they don't know me, and I don't right. know them, and they're hey, they just give you a quick wave. Like you go to clubs, and they're uh, it's no just waving. shocking how many everybody's so miserable, uh, or or pretend, or they just don't look like they're having fun. And you don't have to be running around, and you know, again, it doesn't have to be Rodney with the, yeah. the music playing out of the golf bag, but um, you should be pretty happy that you're at that kind of a place. Yeah. In life, that you're at this beautiful place, it's beautifully maintained, and, and it's just amazing to me how many people don't look that way. Well, let me put it to you then. Have you waved to someone from another fairway? I always do. You, you do? You really do? I always Because I do. If I see people and they see anybody. me, I always I give them a... No you know, idea who they are, right? Like just a quick, hey. You yeah. know, like, hey, we're, we're all, yeah. uh, you know, out it, here. Like, the amount of no reply visually is, is kind of shocking. It's weird. I remember it's the last weird. thing I was going to say before. It, the third point was that, you know, you talked about re, being remiss that we don't have Winter Park, Goat Hill. And and my first thought is, well, well, you and I are on a bench right here and something that probably this might not be it. But there are options for that to be created in Los Angeles. And my thought is we're at the front of the line. We're, we're at literally in row one of whatever is going to happen. So I think that responsibility for that needs to come back to you and me and whoever else is listening that has hundred million dollars or uh, any, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Seriously, yeah. like, like, and Evan and I, my partner, we, we are very interested in turning that into a reality in some way. And I think, you know, that is in some ways, I was talking actually to the, my friends over at No Laying Up the other night when we were together and, and he said, what's, what's your, he said, he said, what's the success for you? And I thought, oh, I mean, a lot of things. I mean, right. Like, uh, but, but, Aside from like content and business, the thing the thing that I would really care about, and and you talked about this, or or actually no, Jack Nicholas said it. He said course design is about leaving a legacy. Have you heard him say that? Yeah, yeah. And so I realized that I'm not an architect, but I am a person that's very interested in my people, my sociology, my golfers. And so for me, I'm not going to design a golf course, but I would love to create a way for new people to go play golf. And it might not be right here, but there are a lot of opportunities for that in L.A., and so I would look to you as a you know, colleague in that. Well, absolutely, and I think that uh, it's not just the golf course design. There's the experience. There's so many elements to it, the programming at a place, uh, the things like Machinella every Friday's now pimping a, uh, a skins game Friday afternoon. That's great. You yeah, know, it's just cool. trying to get different people out there. There might be somebody who watches him on TV. It's like, oh, great, I get to go play with Matt Janelle, and they do it. And and so the programming, the vibe of a place is is everything, and there's so much opportunity there. Um, and that's why what John's doing at, at Goat Hill is so fun because he's doing some putting some different twists, trying to get the course, again, learning from Scotland. To be a place that's in the community, you right? Know, it's not we're not fencing off, and you know that's why I got mad with like uh, Malcolm Gladwell's whole when he kind of way, took aim at golf. Thank you for dialing him back. <laughs> you know, as soon as I heard, well, I don't that, know if I dialed him back. I well, just, I mean, you at least threw ranted. a punch. Nobody yeah. else threw a fucking punch. Well, it bo- it bothered me because he 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 was he was missing a few key points. Yeah. Um, that well, and were, he even admitted to uh, you know a, a, a uh, what's it called. Um, when you make a title, clickbait. Yeah, he admitted to that. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so thank you. But well, keep going. and it, it, it. I mean, he. he and I'm, I'm certainly not going to defend some of the things golf does or ignores, but he, he kind of went. He went and he went after clubs 
uh, in the in the wrong way. Like, hey, you know what? If a group of people have a club and that's their property, they don't need to open the doors for you to go jogging. That said, <laughs> we do have these amazing public golf courses in a park like this. I mean, this place is so cool because it's a park. There's a golf course um, that we do need to be better maintaining and presenting. Um, and you might actually enjoy jogging around or through yeah. those too. Um, and so trying to get um, that message to people. But so much of it is they, they and the, the, the battle is now going to be, you know, golf has a, has a stigma it's always had. Um, Trump has added another element to it. Um, and then just kind of, um, I think, the shift in tastes and generations uh, still looks at golf certain ways that, yeah. that, that we're going to have to overcome. But I mean, like this, I see a kid over here with a soccer ball, you know, the, the, the adding foot golf. Uh, at, I mean, one day I drove by Rancho Par 3, uh, and there was a, a group of Hasidic Jews playing foot golf on the Rancho Par 3 course. And I'm so mad I did not pull over and go get photographs. I mean, it, but it was like, now there's probably a group of people who... 10 years ago, five years ago, was said golf's just obnoxious. But here they could play this thing they liked that was basically soccer on a golf course. They were having a great time, and that changed their view of golf. Yeah. And that place was more functional as a facility because it opened its door to a few more people. And, yeah. you know, maybe there's some be, there should be some golf courses that aren't open on Sundays, like the old course, and it's a place where people go and they, you know, they picnic and um, bring the dogs, and it's a different kind of thing. So we have to be open to that kind of stuff. And it, it all goes back to Scotland. It's all done right there. The clubs are right there. They're open. You know, every golf course can be played there, even the most private ones. You have to write a letter and all that stuff. But the model's all right there. Now, it's not doing so well over there, <laughs> there either, but that could that there's some other forces there that are different than ours. Bigger discussion. Yeah. Next podcast, let's do it in Scotland. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, Let's come would, up with a syllabus good. and a plan. We'll bring back enough divots to make a new course in L.A. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to try that. Bring back the divot just see what <laughs> happens if it grows. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Jeff. All right. I really appreciate Thank you, Eric. Appreciate Thank it. You. Yeah. Handshake absolutely. Yeah. on the picnic bench. It's okay. Thanks. <laughs> with, with candy spelling overseeing us Yeah, here. this is an expensive bench. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening.